If you guys have your Bible, you can open it to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's the, the bulk of where, uh, where I'll be tonight. I'll jump around a little bit. The references where I'm going to be jumping around are in the bulletin that you have. So uh, if you want to take a look at those as I talk, that's cool too. Um, but uh, a lot of times when I jump around and do just small passages of Scripture, I don't want you to turn there tonight. I do. I want you to turn there. So when we go to, to different parts of Scripture, I will slow down and give you guys a chance to, to get there. Um, there is there's a scene in one of the Indiana Jones movies. I don't remember which one it is. Uh, if you're a big Indiana Jones fan, I'm sorry that I don't know exactly where it is. Uh, but the scene is this like Oriental guy comes out and he's he's got this huge sword and he's like flipping around, going crazy with it. You know, like the, he's really skilled with the sword. And uh, Harrison Ford is is like standing about 20, 30 yards away from him, and it's obvious they're going to have this intense showdown, right? Like, and and we're all the, the whole audience is really scared that this guy's going to kill Indiana Jones, and so Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots the guy. Um, and it's really kind of nonchalant. Why you've got your sword, great, big deal. I've, I've got a gun, you're dead. Um, and it's that theme, that concept, that paints the picture of what I want to get to the heart of tonight. Um, because our, our natural inclination is to operate in our own strength, like the guy coming out with his sword, he's wheeling it around, and he thinks he's really cool, and he's showing off all this skill and all this talent. But the ultimate weapon in that showdown was, was the gun, and it prevailed. And so many times we run around in our lives when little fires pop up in our lives or big fires pop up in our lives or, or whatever pops up in our lives, and we want to be like this oriental guy with the sword trying to operate in our own strength and our own power when the ultimate weapon, the ultimate gift is... At our fingertips, we are in an age where Scripture is readily, readily available for us. Every night when we get together, there's Bibles that sit right there. If you don't have a Bible and you've ever been in this church, it's your fault because we give those away. We encourage you to take them. Even if you have 12 Bibles, take one of those, write in it, use it, whatever. And not just that, but all over our culture, it's really easy to, to get a handle on Scripture. So tonight, I want us to look at the the power, the completing power of the Scriptures. So let's, before we get into it, let's pray uh, and ask God to join us here. God, I, I thank you for your Scripture. I thank you for all of the, the beauty that's there. God, I pray that we would come with a proper respect and a proper fear and a proper awe to your Word tonight, God, and, and in the, the year 2010, may we, 365 days from today, look back at 2010 and say that this is the year that, that we dove deep into your word, into your scripture, and, and sucked it dry, sucked it for all that it was worth, God. I, I pray that you would cause us to do that. And, and tonight, as we stand on the, the brink of 2010, will you engage our hearts with your beautiful, revealing completing scripture. God, may we see all that it has for us, God, and may we treat it with respect and awe that it is your revealed word, your completing word, your word into our lives, God. May we we come at it from that perspective, God. Guide us tonight. uh, Free us from distraction. uh, Free me from error. Allow us to, to just dive 
honestly and truthfully into your scripture and what you've got to, to, uh, to talk to us about through your words tonight. In Christ's name, amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. I, I want to dive in. The, the title of this message that we've put together is The Completing Power of the Scripture. So I want us to dive into the, the power inherent within the word. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy is being discipled by Paul. And he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Meaning I've discipled you and your parent, your, your mother has, and your grandmother have discipled you. All those things. People have, have poured life into you. Continue in that. Verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. We talk about the Bible, we talk about Scripture, but I love this phrase, how you've been accustomed to the sacred writings. If you're holding a Bible, if you're near a Bible, understand that God providentially spoke to a man who wrote this down so that you could hold it and read it and and have the character of God revealed to your heart. Think Holy God, who spoke the world into existence, decided that I'm going to ordain these words to penetrate your heart. It's God's plan from the beginning of time to reveal himself through his word, and we get to hold it. It's baffling to me when, when you see all that had to happen for you to hold the word of God. Sacred writings. Do we call our Bible sacred writings? There's going to be several things tonight I, I want us to just pause and think deeply about. And this is one of them. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And here's more. Which the sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. One of the purposes, one of the main purposes of Scripture is to bring us wisdom to understand what it means, how to come about this process of salvation. This is the sacred writings. One of their purposes is to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Now, these next two verses are probably ones you've heard before when you've heard any kind of message about the power and authority of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Whenever we come to a familiar passage of Scripture, I always say, forget any presuppositions that you bring to the Scripture. Forget what you think you know about a familiar passage. All Scripture, all these sacred writings, every word written in your Bible is breathed out by God. Let the weight and power of, of how big and massive and huge and powerful God is, and He breathed out these words very softly into our lives and into our hearts. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All those stuff you've heard before. Verse 17 brings something new that I'd never learned before the study this week. The man, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. That word competent is the Greek word ardios, which means complete, perfect, having a special aptitude for a given purpose. So read again. The scripture is here. We hold scripture. God persevered it thousands of years. 
spoke it to men who wrote it down on rudimentary pieces of paper, and it sat in caves and was protected and guided and, and, and formed from century to century so that we can hold it today. The purpose of that is that you might be complete. Brian Chapel, the president of Covenant Seminary here in town, says this, God intends every portion of his word to make us more like him so that his glory is reflected in us. This is Brian Chappell's commentary on verse 17, 317. God intends every portion, every dot of his word to make us more like him so that his glory is reflected in us. That's the process of being complete, being made perfect. Since God designed the Bible to complete for the purposes of his glory, the necessary implication is that in some sense we are incomplete. Do you see that? If, if Scripture's job is to complete us, pre-Scripture, when we come to Scripture, we are incomplete. We are lacking. We are imperfect. That's the gospel written all over that. We lack the equipment required for every good work. We lack the equipment required for every good work. Our lack of wholeness is the consequence of our fallen condition in which we live. Whenever I hear this word complete, uh, and I think about being complete, obviously my, my silly mind uh, goes to uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, she's over there mouthing the words. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, but the, I have every year I go several times throughout the year, go away to, to speak or do some sort of uh, ministry deal. But specifically every year I go away for two weeks in the, in the summertime to speak at a uh, at Super Summer to a bunch of high school kids. And uh, every one of those weeks, I, the, the first week, the second week my family is with me, the first week they're not. And it, I feel, and, and I don't mean to be cheesy love story here, but without my, my wife and my kids, I, I feel like there's a part of me that's missing. And when I drive into my driveway after being gone for a week and, and my kids come running out and, my, and I get to hug my wife again, there is a sense of, of completeness that's there. And, and I take that notion, like I said, I didn't know that this was the word for, for complete or, or being made perfect. I didn't realize that before this week. And when I, I take the way that I feel after missing my family for a week or two and driving in the driveway and getting to, to hold them and touch them and, and, and lay eyes on them, and it's, it's, a, it's a completing notion of a perfect Notion, and I take that understanding to Scripture. We walk around, and here's one of the things, but in, in the prayer gathering, we had every, the first Sunday of each month, we meet at 4 o'clock in this room to pray. And uh, Dave kind of let out in that tonight, and he talked about what did God show you in, in 2009. And the thing that he showed me in 2009 is I have, it's a lesson I've learned every year for the last five years, but he just rehashed it in my brain this year. I can operate in my own strength really, really easily. And looking at, at this passage of Scripture, knowing that, that I am imperfect, I am incomplete, for me to operate in my own strength is like coming to a gunfight with a sword. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm not going to be able to work. As, as Brian Chappell says, I lack the necessary... Uh, 
What does he say? I lack the equipment required for every good work. You lack the equipment required for every good work. And when fires pop up in our lives, we tend to want to go in and dive in and use the wisdom that we have, stuff that we have at our disposal, and to, to change the situation. There are situations in my life and, and in your lives that I'm walking through you with that our first inclination is to, okay, what can I do to change this situation? Instead of, God, would you be supernatural? Would you show me? Would you give me the power necessary to complete my heart, to make perfect the, the situation? And here, Scripture has been the holy, sacred writings that have been persevered for centuries through, through great peril to these holy, sacred writings. They've, they've been in great peril, but now we get to, to hold them. And the purpose of them is to complete us and make us perfect. And my hope, Dave mentioned it in, in the welcome, we want to push each of us as a church to, to dive deep into Scripture. And my prayer was that God would, in 365 days from tonight, we would look back and say the biggest thing that God did for me in 2010 was make me aware of the greatness and beauty of the, and the life-changingness of his holy, sacred scripture. And we have 362 days of 2010 left. And I pray that we would seize each and every one of them to, to suck on the marrow of scripture. Because... It is, its purpose, its intent is to, to complete us, to make us perfect. When you're hungry, what do you do? Not rhetorical. Thank you. When you're thirsty, what do you do? We are incomplete. Hunger is a lack of food. Thirst is a lack of, of water, of, of drink in our when we are those things, when we are incomplete in those ways, we fix the problem. We go and we eat. We go and we get something to drink. Here, Scripture has just told us, you are incomplete. You are hungry. The Word is the food. You are thirsty. The Word is the water. You are incomplete. And there's gospel all over that. We come to Scripture lacking, but it provides us what we need, the sustenance that we need to survive and continue and to be made perfect. That word, ardios, is making you complete, making you perfect. The job of Scripture is to complete and perfect you. The hungry man eats, the thirsty man drinks, the lonely man seeks companionship. When we are incomplete, we look for ways to complete ourselves. So how, what ways does Scripture complete us? It completes us by its power to convict. Jeremiah chapter 23. Give you a second to turn there because I want to dwell on some phrases that are here. If you have the, the Bible that we give out, it's on page 551. Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah. If you see any of those books, Psalm, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah. That's the, the order that they come in. Towards just a little bit past the middle of the Bible. Jeremiah 23, 28, and 29. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. And here is the part that I want to land on. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. 
Scripture has the power to complete us by convicting our hearts, by tearing us apart, by burning us with fire, by breaking us like a hammer. As we encounter the holiness of God, we are made aware of our lack. We have a fallen condition that I've already talked about that is made known by Scripture. Deep study of Scripture is like holding a mirror up in front of our face and seeing wretchedness. It shows us our sin. It shows how we're being messed up. But its role is not just to break us like a rock or burn us with fire. Its role is to complete us. We are not left in shambles. We are not left burned. We are not left hungry or thirsty or lonely. What we are left with is being complete. God's Word does more than just convict. But I don't want to move on to the next thing that it does before we come fully to the grips with how it convicts our hearts. We, the Scripture is, is filled with instances of making us aware of, of how unholy we are, how imperfect we are, and its job is to make us aware of that. When, when I, one of the, I, I've said before that I've got this, uh, I have sinus issues that gives me bad breath a lot, and one of the, and I, I'm not kidding, I can brush my teeth for like three minutes, and 30 seconds later, it's awful. It, and I'm not kidding. Uh, some of you who've known me for a while are like, yeah, I know. I've, I've been a part of that. Uh, but one of the beauties of, of being married is that I have someone that I can come to consistently all the time and say, Jen, I just brushed my teeth. How's my breath? Oh, you need to, you need to go rinse with some mouthwash or something. And Scripture is is that for us. There's so many times where we think we're walking down the path that God has for us and we think we've just brushed our teeth, but ultimately the problem of who we are remains. Scripture's job is like Jen's job. We've worked really hard at trying to provide for ourselves, but ultimately we are still the same sinful, wretched, gross people with nasty breath. And Scripture's job is to convict us, to break us, and As we stand on the brink of 2010, I want us to read Scripture, but more than read Scripture, I want us to study it, to dive deeply into it and allow it to to penetrate the deepest recesses of our soul and show us where we are inadequate, show us where we lack, so that it might complete us. But God's Word doesn't just break us into pieces like a hammer, it also creates. Psalm 33, page 396 in your... uh, your paperback ESV. Psalm is right in the middle of Scripture. I'll give you a second to, to turn there. Scripture completes us by its power to create. Psalm 33, 9. I want you to just listen, read through these words. For He spoke, and it came to be. You see the simplicity of of that. God spoke and it came to be. If the purpose of Scripture is to complete you, and this is true, for He spoke and it came to be. God's Word creates just by very nature of, of what it is. 
Genesis 1-3, you're all familiar. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. It was just nothing but, but dark. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the Word of God that we're talking about. The power that's here. It convicts us and shatters us into pieces. And then in the the same notions, in the same breath, it creates and completes. For He spoke and it came to be. Let there be light and there was light. What once was broken, what once was shattered, what once was made aware of its wretchedness, has now been transformed because of the creating power of the Word of God. What once was broken and in need is now transformed. The Word creates and the Word redeems. The Word also accomplishes. It completes us by its power to accomplish. Isaiah 55, page 522 in your Bible if you have one of ours. Uh, Again, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah 55. I want you to Specifically, turn to this one. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. The word completes us by its power to accomplish. So shall my word be that it goes from my mouth. God speaking. When the word leaves his mouth, it shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here's what I want you to know. God's word shall succeed. The power of this statement is so, so far-reaching. The purpose, according to 2 Timothy, of Scripture is to make us wise for salvation and to perfect us, to complete us. God's Word shall succeed. God is shaping you for the redemption that He's he's bringing to the earth. Let me say that again. God's Word is shaping you for the redemption that He is bringing to this earth. It's, It's shaping you in the physical world around us in redeeming the physical land, meeting physical needs, that redemption, a lot of times we think about how God is shaping us for redemption, and we think about our spirits. But God's word is coming to this planet to shape us so that we can be his body to redeem this planet, this physical planet, redeeming the land, meeting physical needs. And in the spiritual world, Redeeming the broken spirits and the restoration of relationships between God and man. Do we see that the Word of God shall succeed and its plan is to bring us to completion and bring this land to completion, to bring our lives to completion? Scripture talks all over the place about how God is going to come and set up His kingdom again on this earth. And and we are His agents of redemption and So many times it talks about physical needs on this planet. Taking care of widows, taking care of orphans, uh, 
seeking to, to help those who can't help themselves. That's our goal. That's our purpose here on the physical world, to walk around and, and be God in these situations, to, to be his hands and to be his feet. This is the redemption that he wants to bring. And as we study his scripture, we are shown this power, this redemption plan. God's word makes this redemption happen in our souls. Stop and ponder the depth of that. Romans 15.4, page 813. The last part that we'll talk about tonight. Scripture completes us by its power to provide hope. And this is the one that, uh, as I've studied this week, has, has really exploded in my heart this week. God's Scripture has the power to provide hope in our hearts. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. It's a reiteration of something we've talked about already, but it, it just it just boggles my brain that God has persevered Scripture so that we can have instruction. God, can we even wrap our mind around the fact that Paul was sitting in a prison writing a, a letter to a church that he planted in a town called Ephesus. And the words that he gave Paul to write down on that parchment were words to give us 2010 Florissant, Missouri instruction. As Paul sat in a prison writing those words. Wrap your mind around that. As, as God spoke to Moses in the desert, he was speaking to him words that were to give us instruction, to complete us, to perfect us. And we walk around this planet trying to operate in our own power when the word of God that he's persevered thousands and thousands of years to penetrate into our hearts and complete us. And we pridefully walk around this planet faced with a situation. Here's how you should respond. We need to dive into Scripture. We need to have it impact us and change us. Megan, I didn't ask your permission to do this, but I think you'll be okay. Uh, Dave asked in 2009 what God did to change, to, to do something as we were praying tonight. And Megan said, my job hasn't changed, but my, my perspective on it has. She hated her job. She didn't want to be there. And now that's not the case. And the only thing that changed was, was Megan. We're so convinced that, God, would you come and change our circumstances? God wants to change your heart. God wants to change your life. He wants to make you perfect and complete. That's the reason that he wrote Scripture. The reason that he wrote Scripture is so that we can see the revealed nature of God and be conformed to his likeness. Be complete. Be made perfect. We have to understand the wonder 
of the gift that is in Scripture. And we have to treat it with the awe and respect that it deserves because its purpose is to give us completion and perfection. For whatever was written in former days was written for all those purposes. The second half of, of Romans 15.4. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. There are a lot of hopeless situations that we are intimately involved with. Sick parents, uh, broken relationships, difficulty, uncertainty of the future. Scriptures are here so that we might have hope. In a world of darkness, God's word is the light. In a world of death, God's word says to die is gain. Death has no victory. In a world of uncertainty, God's word is the rock. I don't know what's going to happen to you in 2010. This world is filled with uncertainty. You have no promise for your next breath. You have no promise that you'll have your job next week. You have no solid promises. But in a world of uncertainty, God's word calls itself the rock. Unchanging. In a world of deceit, God's word is the unchanging truth. The truth that Scripture speaks of is aletheia. Aletheia means that which is true under any matter of consideration. It's like a, a dock on a lake and a buoy on a lake. There's some truth that wobbles back and forth and changes in, and, and we can't cling to it because it's affected by its circumstances. God's truth is unaffected by circumstance. In a world of deceit, God speaks that his word is the unchanging truth that you can hold to and cling to. In a world of pain, God's word tells us that the mind cannot conceive of the beauty of what he has prepared for us. In a world of pain, our minds can focus on what God has for us. So beautiful and majestic and perfect that our minds can't grasp the beauty of it. In a world of hate, God's word tells us that love is in our reach. In a world of despair, God's word is hope. What are you desperate for? What are you in despair over? God's word speaks to your heart in that moment that there is hope. In a broken world, God's word brings salvation. God's word brings redemption. This is the beauty of the word that we have in front of us. May we live 2010 understanding the gift that it is. May we dive into scripture. We have, take your bulletin with you. There's three websites on there to help you to, to dive into scripture. Look at our blog every day. There's going to be stuff on there to allow us to dive into scripture. In our age, there is no reason 
Some people might not be able to understand and grasp the depth of Scripture. In the age that we live in, with the tools that are at our disposal on the Internet, there's no reason not to be literate. It's your fault. And all these things that Scripture is, God has them in a package waiting for you to come and unwrap and live in and swim in the, the beauty of His redemption and His grace and His truth and His perfection. That's the gift that Scripture is to us. May we live 2010 understanding that. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank You for Your Scripture, Father. And I pray that this would not be an isolated 30 minutes, Father, where we get taught about the majesty of Your Word, Father, but that instead it would be that which provokes us to dive deep into Your Word, that we might be changed by it, Father, that we might be made complete, that we might be convicted, that we might understand the hope that Your Word provides, that we might understand that You have created a new life in us, and You have changed our hearts like You spoke the world into existence. You are speaking change into our lives by the power of Your Word. God, allow us to come to grips with that. Allow us to to live and to, to swim and to God, even when we've missed a few days, when we miss meals, we don't miss the next one. May we continue to dive deep into your word that we might see the whole of your revelation through Scripture. We love you and we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for your breathed out word that's revealed your Son and revealed our incompleteness and revealed your plan to complete us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen.